You're listening to Together by AGCI. I'm Dane Arnold. Turn! Oh, bro. Ah. <laughs> I don't think we can turn anymore. No, I, like, I, I just don't think it's going to fit. Oh, yeah, it will. Come on, up, 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 up. Ah. Ah. Yes! Oh. Here we go. Pivot! 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 Do any of you guys remember that clip from Friends? I, I mean, I feel like I've seen memes of it just over and over over the last few days. But, it, you know, it really does feel like that's what every business and nonprofit is doing right now. Most of us have put our ambitious 2020 plans into action over the last few months. And then all of a sudden, we all have to pivot to find new solutions to new problems as quickly as we can. Even this baby podcast is having to pivot to make sure that you all get to hear about our most vital work in near real time. Any nonprofit who works internationally knows that flexibility is the key to sustainability. So being flexible isn't new to an organization like AGCI. But to have all of our work around the world affected at the same time by the same thing is intense. Today we're going to talk about how the coronavirus pandemic is affecting three vulnerable groups that AGCI serves and what we can do together to make a difference. We're going to be talking with AGCI's Vice President of International Programs, Kirsten Luganbill. Kirsten, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. So Kirsten, we wanted to take a moment to talk to you about... Um, just some of our programs internationally that are being uh, especially affected by the coronavirus in this time and, um, and what we can be doing to help with that as individuals, as, you know, like a small group at a church. What, what, how can we be involved in helping those who are the most vulnerable in this time? So I guess I guess maybe the, the, the first place that I'd like to start is we, we have a partnership in Bogota, Colombia. They provide therapies of all sorts to um, help kids um, be able to stay in their families. And um, you're going to do a much better job of explaining what that's all about than I will. So um, would you mind kind of giving us just a, a quick rundown of, of um, what this partnership is all about there? Yeah. So AGCI does have a partnership with a local nonprofit organization in Bogota, Colombia, and they are specifically serving in the Usican um, community uh, families from the lowest socioeconomic class. Um, and they provide uh, therapeutic services, um, parenting classes, and overall family support uh, for these vulnerable families and mm. children that live in this community. And um, they've been doing this work. They actually were founded in 1968. So they've been around for a very long time oh. and have really focused, especially over the last five to 10 years on their family-based and community-based programming. Um, we know that children do best in a family setting, and they've really worked hard to provide wraparound services so that um, these children can remain in family care, that they don't get separated, um, but also that those families have the strengthening and support that they need. Um, so yeah, they, they really do a fantastic job of providing all of those counseling services on a regular basis. But of course, in light of the crisis happening right now, 
they are also shifting their mode of intervening for these families and providing emergency relief supplies um, for families in the community. They've been putting together food packages um, for those families. Um, And then one other really urgent need that is on their plate um, relates to the sexual violence program that this organization operates as well. Can you uh, just real quick give us an understanding of what uh, those therapies for children who have been victims of sexual violence, what, what that looks like? Absolutely. So um, as a little bit of context, in 2019, just this last year, um, in Colombia, there were over 14,000 cases of sexual violence towards children reported to the ICBF, which is the Child Welfare um, Institute in Colombia. And that was an increase over the previous year. So this has become an emerging crisis, essentially, in the country. Um, And the Child Welfare Office, the ICBF, does an investigation on each of those cases that come forward. They will make um, arrangements for the child to be placed in a safe location, whether that's in a foster family, sometimes within an institution while they work to um, process through this case. And, And during that time, the child that's been a victim of sexual violence receives in depth counseling and support services from a designated provider in Colombia. Now, the shocking thing is there are actually only three licensed providers to offer this type of counseling oh, and wow. service to these children in in all of Bogota. And you can imagine just the overload of cases that they see um, on a day-to-day basis. So currently, our partner um, on the ground in Colombia, that's one of these three providers, has seen over 500 children in just a 12-month period who have experienced sexual violence. And beyond that, they have a wait list currently of 200 children that have experienced this type of trauma that still cannot receive services and are, are waiting for counseling support. Um, so this, of course, as you can imagine, is an urgent need despite the crisis that's going on yeah. all around us. I mean, these are children that have experienced just a horrific trauma, really. And to be sitting and waiting to receive this kind of support um, in a time where the globe is also dealing with these health crisis, it's just complex trauma on top of complex trauma. Mm-hmm. And um, really the, the need to intervene and to be able to provide this service to children is urgent. So uh, one of the things we're looking at doing is responding in a way that they've never done before with this program, which is actually providing online counseling services mm-hmm. through a designated platform um, so that these children can still meet with a licensed mental health professional who can help help counsel them through their trauma, help them understand what they experience, help to be sure they don't feel even more isolation, fear, and shame in this time where everyone is dealing with so much around them. Um, and I think, unfortunately, in in a health crisis like this, you know, there are so many needs that our children are facing every single day that have gotten um, overtaken really in this health crisis. And while 
child welfare agencies are having to shut down and and really postpone services indefinitely. We know these kids' needs haven't just gone away right. <laughs> while that's happening. Um, there are still urgent needs for kids every day that we're we're trying to respond to. And I feel like now more than ever, it's so important for our local partners on the ground and for AGCI to be kind of filling filling that gap and responding to those needs. Yeah. So what what does that look like? Like what what does it look like for AGCI in particular to step in? Yeah, so we work with a team on the ground through our local NGOs um, to provide support to counselors and therapists, um, support for that online training platform where they actually can get on and and do face-to-face counseling sessions online um, and really making sure that those services don't stop. I mean, without the intervention of AGCI, um, a lot of our partners are being forced to furlough staff, um, to lay off staff potentially mm-hmm. and discontinue service altogether because they don't have the support they need to bring this to um, the support to children. Yeah, I think that's something that so many of us can relate to in this season. Yeah. Like it's just such a global phenomenon. Absolutely. Um, so let's let's shift gears a, a tiny bit. We have another um, another program that we have helped to launch. In Bogota, um, we call it the dream home, and uh, there are some needs there as well because Bogota, as a city, is on lockdown, like a lot of our cities are here, but maybe even more extremely. Um, can you, uh, first of all, can you can you maybe give us a sense of uh, what the dream home is all about, and then from there, maybe we can talk about what what some of their immediate needs are in you know in today's crisis. Yes, the Dream Home was launched um, in partnership with AGCI and the ICBF, the Child Welfare um, Agency in Colombia in 2018. And it was created to be a place where young women ages 18 to 24 who had grown up in the Child Welfare Agency um, could really find a home and a place not only to pursue a college degree and um, their professional ambitions, but also to be able to heal and to understand who they are as a person, to understand their identity in Christ. Um, And we wanted to create a unique environment never seen really before in Colombia for this population of, of youth that were aging out of the system and preparing for adulthood, oftentimes without any skills or training um, to be able to do so. So that was the heart behind the program. Um, We have a really dedicated staff that are with the girls 24-7, and they offer um, not only tutoring and and support in in day-to-day things, but also are really working with the girls one-on-one emotionally, helping them to understand their trauma, helping them to understand how to build healthy relationships, how to how to operate in society outside mm. of an institution. Um, so really deep level work that's kind of going on in the home day to day, really through through relationship with our local staff. So maybe you know for for the dream home, the the students that are in the dream home currently, like what are what are some of their restrictions and and how are they how are they making it through this at this time yeah so it has certainly been 
a challenging time. Um, every single home or institution in all of Columbia right now is on quarantine lockdown, which means that every child who lives under ICBF protection full-time cannot leave the home that they reside in. And that includes the girls in our dream home right now who are not able to come in and out of the home. Um, many of them have had university um, courses postponed or they're trying to do their coursework online in a home of 24 girls. Right. Um, we also, because of the quarantine, are only allowed to have so many designated staff at the home. Um, so we can't have our typical staff in and out of the house on a regular basis. Uh, we continue to do phone check-ins with the girls, with all of our staff, but we do have to have 24-7 full-time staff working overtime and actually sleeping in the home to support these girls um, during the crisis. We've also, um, of course, had to be monitoring our supplies and our provisions um, to be able to meet just the ongoing food needs, medical care, um, et cetera, of those 24 girls being in the home 24-7 at this point in time. Um, and beyond that, just really working to kind of keep morale high. We are doing live streaming workout classes and museum visits and um, music concerts and, and all sorts of different opportunities to try to keep spirits high and keep the girls engaged during this time. But it's definitely a very challenging season, I would say, for caregivers and also for all of the children in Colombia that are within um, ICBF care right now, um, just having to face every day um, with uncertainty, really, and just the added stress. I know we all feel this right now, but particularly for caregivers and children um, who may have come from a history of trauma or stress, these uncertain times are just very, very difficult yeah. um, for kids and caregivers. And so really working to support our staff during that um, season and and really also providing resources for um, caregivers in, in protection institutions, even outside of the dream home, to be sure that they have resources, activity ideas, tools um, to, to help um, address behaviors that come up, all, all of the needs you can imagine in homes with anywhere from 24 girls to maybe 120 um, youth that are in these different institutions across Columbia. Yeah, and so some of the some of the, the the bigger needs are prayers for the morale of the girls. I mean, the just their their freedom that they have enjoyed in this unique space is interrupted, and that's that's got to be super challenging for them. Um, but then also for the staff as well. I mean, for them to be pretty constantly on the clock, I'm sure that that has to be. Uh, a strain on their own families and on on just the system in general. Absolutely. I mean, our staff right now that are there 24-7 with the girls, I mean, they're really foregoing, you know, the needs of their own families, right. really, in, in this moment and making a huge sacrifice to be with the girls, um, not only physically, but also really being present for all yeah. of the emotions, all of the challenges um, that a lot of our girls are facing in this uncertain time and handling that with grace and with care, um, putting together birthday parties <laughs> with what we have in the house, helping to do cooking lessons, like really supporting the girls um, 
in, in their day to day in a time where, where many of the girls in our home are feeling an added level of stress and uncertainty and disconnect, I would say, you know, really this is, um, these traumatic events can, can also trigger a lot of, um, yeah, emotions for our girls that maybe right. do have uncertain or troubled pasts. And, and, um, this can create a lot of those things coming to the surface. And so having staff there full time, not just to be with the girls, but also help them process through those emotions and, um, really be with them, counseling them through this time is just so, so critical. Oh, it's an enormous sacrifice on their part too. So that's, that's pretty Absolutely. amazing. And, and it's, it's great that all guys children is there to kind of help support, um, not only the girls, but the staff that are, that are caring for them more directly, just because, especially in this time, like the need is, is even greater than, than is typical. Absolutely. And I mean, operating a home like the dream home, I mean, of course there are needs that come up on a regular basis, sometimes even unforeseen needs, but no one could have predicted we would be in this type of situation. And so having to look at, you know, managing overtime for staff and making sure the girls have what they need. And there's just a lot of mobilization that's been happening and we're grateful, you know, that we've been able to uh, respond to those um, urgent and last minute needs, but it's definitely a strain on everybody. Yeah, for sure. We're going to try and make sure that as um, as staff members of AGCA that we're connecting with those girls, um, even personally, and sending them messages and notes of encouragement during this time, and, and the staff too. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So let's take a, um, a quick little jump across the Atlantic and talk about Ethiopia. Maybe you can um, explain to me a little bit what are some of the, uh, the ways that AGCI is involved in Ethiopia. And then we can talk about how the current crisis is affecting um, that population there currently. Absolutely. Yeah. So um, one of our largest programs here at AGCI um, is our education sponsorship program in Ethiopia. And this program allows us to ensure that children who are living in a single family household or maybe with a grandparent, aunt, uncle, or even older sibling um, those children are able to continue to go to school, um, that they receive the support they need to um, provide basic education supplies, go to school on a regular basis, healthy meals. Um, and then there's also a savings program linked to our sponsorship program mm-hmm. where um, children and families put away money every time we do distribution to provide for future education opportunities or to help deal with family emergencies mm-hmm. in the future. Um, so it's been an incredible program. Many of our children are in the program for um, well over 10 years, just walking through their entire education. And and we've really seen so many kids go on to be successful adults and really actually break the cycle of poverty that they started in when they were young in the program. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's been incredible. The program's been in existence for around 11 years. So um, it's very well rooted in many communities throughout Ethiopia, particularly in Gambella and then several rural areas in Tigray, Ethiopia. And then we also provide sponsorship support for um, several hundred children in the outskirts of Addis Ababa, where many of the families from lower socioeconomic classes live. 
And so as the virus is coming in and things are beginning to shift and shut down, how is that affecting these families uh, just kind of generally? This is something we're just experiencing in live time. I mean, we have watched as country after country where we work has been impacted by the virus and their response to that. And um, several of the countries in Africa where we work, including Ethiopia, it feels like are just a couple of weeks behind this massive response that's right. happened in places like Colombia and the U.S. And I would say even as of this morning and talking with our in-country team, you know, there are many who are very worried um, just with a lack of ventilators and trained medical professionals on the ground in Africa. Um, the government is trying to put out guidelines on hygiene and how to stop the spread of the virus. But most of day-to-day life in Africa, as you know, is communal. And often workers aren't in occupations that allow them to work remotely. Um, many of our sponsorship families, you know, live in small spaces as, as large families or with extended family. And it can be really challenging to think about how, how this virus is really going to impact those communities um, when it actually hits its peak. So definitely um, we can feel the anxiety rising in, in our staff and, and on the ground in Ethiopia and knowing that oftentimes in these crises, it's families, you know, below that poverty line that are hit the hardest right. um, because that uh, line that they're walking is just so thin. So um yeah, it's it's definitely a tenuous time right now. Yeah. So what what is um All God's Children able to do to kind of support our staff on the ground? Because we, we have staff there who have been there for 10, 12 years themselves mm-hmm. since the very beginning. Um and they're extremely dedicated and they love those kids, but this is a lot for, for anyone to handle. What, what are some of the ways that we're helping to kind of support them in all this? Yeah, we have been um, hitting the ground, actually traveling at times to different homes to deliver um, sponsorship support, but also working directly with the Ministry of Women's Affairs in uh, Ethiopia at the federal level, also at the regional level. And then even lower down, local social affairs offices to figure out how can we remain in contact with our sponsorship families? How can we get their sponsorship support to them? Um, And beyond that, how do we actually understand what their most pressing needs are? I mean, we have a lot of families that are going to be dealing with food scarcity, um, not able to go to work, so they don't have any sort of income coming in. And these are families that are already living on the brink. So we know that we need to be all hands on deck, making phone calls, doing house visits, and really reaching out to these families to be sure they have the support they need during this time. So um, it's a busy time for our team. Um, The Ministry of Women's Affairs Office is, because of government mandate, closed currently, but we are still on the phones daily with, with that team trying to problem solve literally family by family. Yeah. How do we get to them? How do we get them the support that they need? Uh, what is their current status and how can we continue to support them moving forward? Yeah. Well, that's such a tall order for, for all three of those different things um, in the, the two in Bogota and, and the, the really large, large impact that, that we, we have in Ethiopia. Um, 
what can we do to support these initiatives that AGCI is trying to move forward? Yeah, I mean, I've been telling some of our team here, I just believe God is asking us as an organization and our teams on the ground to lean in. And it can be a really scary time to do that. Um, There are a lot of organizations and even child welfare offices that have been closed or are not providing service in this time. And I just, I know God is asking us to step forward. I know we have mobile teams on the ground that are, are, ready for action and are acting right now and Mm -hmm. filling those gaps, making sure that kids and families are getting what they need. And for us here at AGCI, we just need supporters and, and, you know, families to come alongside us and, and contribute to those needs and help us continue to mobilize those staff on the ground that are already doing the work. We've been talking a lot here at ADCI about being the hands and feet of Jesus, and our teams really are doing that every day on the ground. And I feel that now more than ever, you know, their support and, and intervention is needed. And, um, and and this is really why we are so passionate about empowering local leaders. We've talked about it for years, but this is where it really counts. I mean, our teams on the ground um, they are the front lines. They they yeah. are there with those kids every day. And we are uniquely positioned, I think, as an organization to help support that work, to support those leaders and be sure that kids and families are getting what they need during this crisis. We can all, I'm sure, commit to praying and hopefully um, that prayer leads to action. This is a, this is a pretty heavy time for all of us. Um, but it's, it's good for us to not get so inward focused as it is so incredibly easy to do when we are the ones who are actually (laughs) facing a crisis, which is it, you know, in comparison to these populations is, is much more rare for us to experience this kind of thing. But it it is critical that we make sure that our focus is not only on ourselves, but is also on, these vulnerable people who just need our support now probably more than ever before. Yeah, it's I just got off the phone actually right before I joined you with our team in Colombia and we were just talking about how um, this is maybe the first time in history in a long time where the entire world has been um, really on our knees and looking mm. for God to intervene in a way that um, it, there's never been really. And, and just knowing that regardless of, you know, country or status or religion or race, you know, this is really causing us all to have to come together. And I think that, um, yeah, it just really is unique times and, and I surely can see God working in it all. I, I feel like the ability for us to be able to empathize with other people <laughs> has, Absolutely. has been, the volume has been turned up to 11 on that. Like, it's just, you know, we're, we are all literally in the same position, um, you know, to varying degrees, of course. But I think for us to be able to understand uh, another person's um, position and another person's uh, challenges and difficulties, because we too are also facing such similar challenges is it's it's an incredibly unique time and so my prayer is that um we do we do all kind of face this time on our knees and we we do pray for 
the globe, but even more specifically for the children who need to be receiving uh, therapies for um, just the abuse that they have experienced in their path to 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 pray for our uh, students at the dream home and and the staff who are supporting them and and giving up their personal lives for that and also for you know our hundreds of kids that we are trying to support in in Ethiopia and and the staff that are supporting them i mean this is these are super practical things that we can you know you can write it in your prayer journal you can write it on a sticky note and put it on your fridge like these yes. are the tangible things that we can pray for and and God can do incredible things and we, it's we need to remember that that ultimately it's it's all for his glory and 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 if we are focused on his glory instead of our our misery um then i think that incredible things can happen so uh yeah as challenging as these times are it's kind of exciting to see what the lord can do i mean i just think that really amazing things are to come so absolutely um, yeah absolutely thanks so much for joining me kirsten and for um, just allowing me to kind of get a little bit more insight on where our programs are at but more specifically these three things um and um yeah i hope you guys stay safe and healthy at your home Yes, I'm sure you can hear my son in the background. <laughs> I can, but it's nice. My, my kids are being shockingly quiet, so that's that's a blessing. Oh, All right, is. we will um, we'll catch up with you later, Kirsten. And um, okay. thanks so much for your time. Great, thanks so much, Dean. That was Kirsten Luganbill. She is the vice president of international programs at All God's Children. One thing that we can all do without question is to pray. So please pray with us. Pray for these children and these families who are in such vulnerable positions. And if you're in a position to do so, join with us. We can we can make a huge difference in the lives of these people. Uh, for more information on practical ways that you can get involved, you can check out our website, www.allgodschildren.org. And uh, if you want to contact us here at the podcast, you can contact us at together at allgodschildren.org. The amazing thing is we get to be the hands and feet of Jesus in a world that desperately needs it. We have everything we need to make a long-lasting impact in the lives of hundreds of children and families. And we get to do it together. We'll talk to you next time.